0: who's ready to study the Bible today? That's why we're here. Go ahead and open up your Bible to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. In this series, we have been talking about the mission of MW Church. What kind of church do we want to be and where are we going as we move forward together? And one of the things that we've talked about is, is that our vision is to see the city transformed by the love of Jesus, and we believe that God can help us do that as we are made new by God, and so we looked at this little diagram, by God, as we reach up in our connection, our relationship with Him, that is the meaning of life itself, apart from that we can do or be nothing, that It continues in us as we grow in our faith, as we reach in within the body of Christ to grow together as a church and then to reach out to this lost and dying world as we go out of these doors uh, each week to this world to take the love of Jesus to people who do not know Him. And so we believe that God can use this church to make an impact in Atlantic Canada, and that's why we're here, that it's not just to come together and drink good coffee and read the Bible together and have, you know, great times together and enjoy each other's company and, and to, uh, to uh, sing pretty songs, even though all of that is wonderful and good and part of it, but that, that the end goal is and always has been to take what God is doing in here and take it out there to make a difference in the world for Jesus, Amen? Amen. But today, let let me give you another chance. Because I I think I have to remind people every once in a while that the more response I hear back, the more I know you're getting it and the shorter this goes, okay? If if you just sit there on your hands and you don't clap and say amen and and respond back or don't laugh at my corny jokes, then I don't know if you're getting it. And so we'll just keep going all day, okay? So it'll help everybody if you say what? Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. And so today we are going to talk about one of the things, though, that can in fact inhibit this from taking place. And we're going to call it today a limiting factor. A limiting factor, something that that can have the potential to prevent God from being able to do what He wants to do in us and among us and through us. And so what do you think that might be? It'd be fun if we could just to take a microphone all around the room and all the way up to the back rows of the balcony to just give everybody an opportunity to share. What do you think a limiting factor might be in the church today? It'd be interesting to hear what, what people might say. One of the answers that I think we would hear probably is that one of our issues in the church is sin and, and, and lack of holiness, lack of commitment, that, it, that we cannot be used by God to transform the world if we don't first allow Him to transform us? And so that would, of course, be part of the answer. And we could give a whole list of answers. But there's one that I wonder if it might not show up on many people's list. And yet it is so prevalent in the prayer of Jesus. Here in John chapter 17, He prays a prayer for us, His church, near the end of His earthly ministry before He ascends to heaven. And here is the powerful missional prayer that Jesus makes for His church. Let's get started in John 17, verse 20. Jesus said, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who who will believe their message. So notice here that there is a present tense and a future tense. That Jesus says, I pray not only for these alone. In other words, those who who were disciples of Jesus in that day 2,000 years ago. He says, I am praying for these who are here with me now in this moment. But he's, he's also in this prayer looking at those who will believe in the generation after generation after generation yet to come And so in this prayer, Jesus is literally looking forward 2,000 years into the future, into the year 2017, and he sees all of the Christians in all of the great churches around this great region, and here is what he prays for us. Verse 21, he prays that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so Jesus is praying for all of us that we may be what? One. Oh, come on, you can do better. That He prays for us that all of them may be one. How many? One. Now why? Now he says, as the Father and Son are one, that we would be one. There's another word for that that we use in the English language. And the word is, of course, unity. And so today, let's talk a little bit about what that might look like. What is unity? Because this is a word that can often cause confusion. Many times people think that unity means the same, that everybody has to be the same, look alike, talk alike, sing alike, act alike, dress alike. But that is not necessarily unity. I heard a story about a woman who was a woman who was walking across a bridge, and she saw a man ready to jump. And uh, I want to read this story to you, if you've never heard it before. Uh, She tried to stop the man from jumping off the bridge, and she said, brother, you need to know that God loves you. And a tear came to his eye. And she asked, what do you believe? Are you a Christian, a Jew, or an atheist? He said, I'm a Christian. She said, me too, Protestant or Catholic? And the guy's about is about to jump off the bridge. He said, well, I'm Protestant. And and she said, me too, what denomination? He said, Northern Baptist. She said, wow, me too. But then she eyed him suspiciously. Are you Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. She said, well, call Ripley's Believe It or Not. But wait, are you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist or Northern Conservative Reform Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist. She said, wow, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative (laughs) Fundamentalist Baptist Eastern region? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Great Lakes region. She said, this is so amazing. By now, the guy has climbed down off the bridge. But then she asked, wait, 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 wait. Are you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region of 1879 or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region of 1912? He said, I'm from the Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region of 1912. She shouted, die, you heretic, and pushed him off the bridge. (laughs) Listen, folks, denominations are not bad. Okay? Let, let, me, let me explain something to you. That, that many times people will, will say, oh, you know what? The problem is that we have all these different denominations. Actually, different denominations can be a good thing because, here's why, because as long as we realize the difference between diversity. And division. Let's talk about the difference. There is a difference between diversity and division. Diversity is good, division is bad. Diversity means that different churches and different Christians have the freedom to do things differently. And what's good about that, here is the brilliance of that, that this is what's great about diversity. It takes different kinds of churches to reach different kinds of people. You see, what if we only had one kind of church? Then we might only be able to reach one kind of person. Some people come to Moncton, Westland, and they walk through the doors, and they're like, "This just fits." Yes, I've been searching for a church like this. I mean, the heartbeat of the mission of this church just fits who I am. I was talking with somebody uh, this week who is brand new here, and they said, uh, "First Sunday, we walked through the door a few months ago, and we just we knew that this was the place for us." And uh, that's great. That this is a church that just fits some of us for the way that God has wired us. But guess what? we're not the right fit for everybody. And that's okay. Sometimes people get so upset that why, you know, why can't we be a church for everybody? Well, that's impossible. But there can be a church for everybody. You see, some people, you know, want a different type of leadership or a different type of music or a different type of pastor. Some people want a pastor who has hair. I I can't help you there. But it takes different kinds of churches to reach different kinds of people. So diversity among churches is a good thing, but division among churches is a bad thing. And so here is the difference. Division is when churches and Christians work against one another rather than for one another. Division is when we are in competition rather than in cooperation. Division is when we tear each other down and forget who the enemy is and forget that the enemy is not other Christians. The enemy is Satan who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And so that's why we don't talk badly about other churches around here. When another church in town succeeds, when another church in town grows, we rejoice in that. We celebrate that. And here's why. Because we are not just about growing Moncton Wesleyan. We are about growing Christ's kingdom. Amen? And so here's why this is such a big deal. This is the secret that I wonder if maybe this might be one of the things that is a limiting factor that inhibits the growth of the church in the world today. Let's put the words of Jesus back on the screen again and look at what Jesus said in verse 21 and 20, uh, or 20 and 21. He prayed that all of us may be one, Father. He said, Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that, everybody say, so that. So that the world may believe, say that together, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Why does Jesus care so much about unity? I wonder if there is something powerful here in the prayer of Jesus that maybe we have missed so that the world may believe. Is it possible that many people in the world today don't believe because we know the whole world does not believe in Jesus, is it possible that one of the reasons is the lack of a heart of unity and love for one another within the wider church of Jesus Christ? How often Christians have been against one another rather than for one another And to follow this to its logical conclusion, do you think maybe it's possible? Now, I'm not making a theological proposition here. I am not trying to make a doctrinal statement. So please don't accuse me of taking this too far. I'm just asking a question. I'm wondering, is it possible that the world may believe, may begin to believe in Jesus if the church of Jesus were to start to finally get its act together and start loving one another the way that he talks about? But here's the problem. Unity is hard. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Now let me tell you how unity would be easy. Unity would be easy if everybody was just like you, right? That kind of unity is so easy. We think that unity works best in homogeny. As long as everybody's just like me, everybody talks like me, thinks like me, acts like me, does the same things I do, it is easy to be united with people who are just like you. But it is harder to have what the Bible talks about, unity within our diversity. And so how can all of these varieties of Christians in a city come together so that the world may believe and be transformed by the love of Jesus? Well, there's a key to unity. That sometimes we think that unity is the goal. Why can't we all just get along? Unity does not work as a goal. Unity is a byproduct. Unity is a byproduct of having the same purpose, the same foundation. And so what is our foundation for unity? Here it is. Jesus. Jesus is the foundation for unity among Christians. And so when you come across Christians who come from a different cultural background, a different maybe racial background or denominational background or theological background, how do we know? if we are on the same team together. Because you know as well as I do that there are some crazy, whacked out groups up there. Okay, isn't that true? That out there there are some people with messed up ideas and people who claim to carry the name of Jesus and yet twist and distort the Bible to say all kinds of things or ignore whole parts of the Bible, et cetera. And so the answer to this one question can help you determine whether or not we're on the same team. Are you ready? Here's the question. What Jesus do they serve? What Jesus do they serve? Because a group that plays fast and loose with the truth is almost always a group that soft-sells the message of Jesus Christ. You can tell if we're on the same team by the answer to this question, what Jesus do you serve? Are they serving the Jesus who was the living word, who was in the beginning, who was with God and is God? Are they serving the Jesus who left the glory of heaven, was born of a virgin, took upon himself the flesh of a man, faced every trial and temptation that we could ever face, and yet was without sin? Are they serving the Jesus who said, I tell you the truth, no one can come to the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again? Are they lifting up the Jesus who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life? Are they serving the Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one comes to the Father unless they come through me. Are they serving the Jesus by whose wounds we are healed, who died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins, who was buried and rose again on the third day, conquering death and hell through his resurrection? Are they serving the Jesus who then ascended into heaven to take his seat at the right hand of the throne of majesty before whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Are they serving the Jesus who in the angels are worshiping in the throne room, who are singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive honor and wealth and wisdom and kingdoms and glory and honor and praise, because if that is the Jesus that they are serving, then they know my Jesus, amen? See, that is the basis for our unity. We don't have to agree on every little point of doctrine, but we do have to be unified under the cross of Jesus Christ, who died to take the punishment for our sins, to rescue us, and set us free from that bondage of the world so that we can live holy and Christ-like, to shine his light into the dark places. Once we agree upon that, with Jesus as our foundation, now then, different churches can have different roles in Christ's mission. Author Max Lucado writes about living in fellowship with other churches, and I want to read to you from his book, In the Grip of Grace. He says, God has enlisted us in his navy and placed us on his ship. This boat has one purpose, to carry us safely to the other shore. This is no cruise ship. It is a battleship. We are not called to live a life of leisure. We are called to live a life of service. Each of us has a different task. Some concerned with those who are drowning are snatching people up from the water. Others are occupied with the enemy, and so they man the cannons of prayer and worship. Still others devote themselves to the crew, feeding and training the crew members. Though different, we are the same. Each can tell of a personal encounter with our captain, for each has received a personal call. He found us among the shanties of the seaport and invited us to follow him. Our faith was born at the sight of his love, and so we went We each followed Him across the gangplank of His grace onto this same boat. There is one captain and one destination. Though the battle is fierce, the boat is safe, for our captain is God. The ship will not sink, for that there is no concern. There is concern, however, regarding the disharmony of the crew. When we first boarded, we assumed that the crew was made up of others just like us. But as if we have wandered these decks, we have encountered curious converts with curious appearances. Some wear uniforms that we have never seen, sporting styles we have never witnessed. Why do you look the way you do, we ask them. Funny, they reply, we were about to ask you the same thing. The variety of dress is not nearly as disturbing as the plethora of opinions. There is a group, for example, who clusters Every morning for serious study, they promote rigid discipline and somber expressions. Serving the captain is serious business, they exclaim. It's no coincidence that they tend to congregate around the stern. There's another regiment deeply devoted to prayer. Not only do they believe in prayer, they believe in prayer by kneeling. For that reason, you find them at the bow of the ship. And then there are a few who staunchly believe only real wine should be used in the Lord's Supper. You'll find them on the port side. (laughs) Still another group has positioned themselves near the engine. They spend hours examining the nuts and bolts of the boat. They've been known to go below deck and not come up for days. They are occasionally criticized by those who linger on the top deck, feeling the wind in their hair and the sun on their face. It's not what you learn, the topsiders argue, it's what you feel that matters. And oh, how we tend to cluster. Some think that once you're on the boat, you can't get off. (laughs) Others say that you'd be foolish to jump overboard, but the choice is yours. Some believe that you volunteer for service. Others believe you were destined for service before the ship was even built. Some predict a storm of great tribulation that will strike before we dock. Others say, no, it won't hit until after we are safely ashore. There are those who speak to the captain in a personal language. There are those who think such languages are extinct. There are those who think the officers should wear robes. There are those who think there should be no officers at all. And there are those who think we're all officers and we should all wear robes. And oh, how we tend to cluster. And then there is the issue of the weekly meeting, at which the captain is thanked and his words are read. All agree on its importance, but few agree On its mission, or on its nature. Some want it loud. Others want it quiet. Some want ritual. Others want spontaneity. Some want to celebrate so they can meditate. Others celebrate or meditate so they can celebrate. Some want a meeting for those who have gone overboard. Others want to reach those overboard without going overboard by neglecting those on board. And oh, how we tend to cluster. The consequence is a rocky boat. There's trouble on deck. Fights have broken out. Sailors have refused to speak to each other. There have even been times when one group refused to acknowledge the presence of other groups on the ship. Most tragically, most tragically, some adrift at sea have chosen not to board the boat because they have seen the quarreling of the sailors. And oh, how we tend to cluster. You know, I've only been in Moncton for about a month now. Uh, We just moved here, and so obviously there are are many pastors and churches in the city that I have not yet had the chance to meet. Uh, But from what I have learned so far, one of the things that I am so appreciative of of this church at Moncton-Westling is that the reputation is that you have not clustered yourself away and held other churches at arm's length. Because we're all on the same team. Uh, All the churches in a city are necessary for God's work to move forward together. Romans chapter 14 verse 1 says, except him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters? And how many times have we been guilty of getting into fights over disputable matters? Hung up on preferences and styles, Romans 14 verse 9 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. And so remember the foundation for biblical unity. It's this one question, what Jesus do you serve? See, we don't have to have the same opinions as long as we share the common truth. We don't have to like the same music as long as we worship the same master. We don't have to dress the same as long as we are lifting up Jesus' name. We don't have to protect our cluster as much when our concern is proclaiming our Christ. That we can be unified in our purpose even as we are diverse in our practices. In Max Lucado's illustration of the church as a ship, he says, God's ship is a grand vessel. Just as a ship has many rooms, so God's kingdom has room for many opinions and styles, but just as a ship has one deck, God's kingdom has a common ground, the all sufficient sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so to see Jesus lifted high as a banner of salvation across Atlantic Canada, that's the kind of church I want to be part of. And so, Father, we pray across uh, this city and this region from Moncton to Yep and Riverview to Shediac and Salisbury and Petticoediac and all up the north coast as well. Father, we pray for this region in which you have placed us, for the Baptist churches and for the Nazarene churches pray for Salvation Army churches and United churches and Pentecostal churches and independent churches of every flavor, Catholic churches and Presbyterian churches Methodist churches and those who maybe we don't even know their name to be able to list it today but Lord for any church that proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord and the scripture as the foundation upon which we build our lives and mission. We count them as our brothers and sisters, and we pray now for them, that you would protect them from the attack of Satan, that you would inspire them and purify them by the power of your Holy Spirit, that any, any sin... It is present in our midst, Lord, that you would reveal it to us, that we would confess and be made right before you. Any division or bitterness that we have held against one another, Lord, that you would break those bonds of bitterness and replace them with the common heart of love. Lord, we pray for a clarity of mission as each church in our region plays its own unique part with its own flavor, its own focus, but with our common Savior. Lord, that you would bring revival. We want to see you lifted high as a banner across this land that all men See and know that salvation is in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And so we sing your praise.